This is Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection, the podcast that talks direct with retailers about all things loss prevention, with your host, Nicole Smith. Did you know that the Profit Protection Future Forum is the only not-for-profit industry body promoting the interests of retail loss prevention professionals in Australia and New Zealand? Hi there and welcome to the show. On today's episode, I'm talking with Nick Smith, National Loss Prevention Manager from Chemist Warehouse Retail Group. Nick's been involved in all facets of the loss prevention food chain, from loss prevention officer, covert operative, investigator, to state, national and group management, as well as being involved in safety, risk management, insurance, compliance and audit. Gosh, Nick, that is a mouthful. Sounds like a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> He's also on the steering committee for the PPFF. So thanks for coming in today, Nick. No, great to be here. So Nick, your specialty is building relationships with key stakeholders to achieve favourable outcomes. And I'm fascinated by this phrase, proactive loss prevention, that I think you've coined. And I really want to learn more about it. So I'm glad you're here. So uh, great, to, uh, great to be in to be able to talk about it. Um, proactive loss prevention is a real um, specialty um, part of loss prevention that we want to be doing. It's, it's about preparing ourselves for the attack. So waiting for the people to come in to obviously steal from us, whether it be staff, customer, supplier, whatever it is. Um, it's about getting ourselves armed and ready. Um, so part of that is that we get our stores ready in terms of whether the checkpoint gates are in and they're operating. Are we tagging appropriately? Do we have the right supplier in terms of guarding? Do we have the right equipment in our stores? And then mainly the education piece with our team members. It's really important that we actually arm our team members with all the tools that they can to be uh, more prepared for when the loss prevention uh, event occurs. And then obviously you then move into the reactionary loss prevention. But being ready is is really the, the, the key part. But shouldn't you be ready? Isn't that part of what loss prevention is? Uh, yeah, you can be ready, um, but there's different var- variations of ready. So you've got ready being, we just turn up, the staff turn up and go, yep, I'm here today. But then you've actually got staff who are engaged, who are culturally embedded in loss prevention, who are determined to obviously reduce loss prevention in their stores. And then you actually get the business owner or the business uh, themselves that are ready to spend some money or ready to uh, get the resourcing ready to actually take on that attack. If you go into two different shops, I'm obviously part of the pharmacy industry, you go to two different pharmacies, you can get two very different uh, readiness of loss prevention. So you can go into one, you've got staff behind the counter on their phones talking about their weekends, don't really care, anyone can walk in. Cabinets left open, keys left on benches, it is what it is. Or you go into hopefully one of our stores and they're ready, they're armed, they're dangerous, they're, they're ready to go to sort of get this loss prevention uh, readiness happening. So when an event occurs, they can actually be ready to go. Given the amount of stores that you have, how do you train your stores to be ready? Uh, repetition. <laughs> so <laughs> it's repeat, repeat, repeat. So we have similar theming across all the things that we do in loss prevention. Um, we speak the same language. So with my team, we, we're very big on ensuring that we're giving the same message at all times. So we're, we're transparent on the message and we repeat that message over and over and over again. Um, obviously, we turn over of staff. It does make it a, a bit more difficult. But again, it's the same themes that we put through uh, with our suppliers, with our staff, uh, with our management, with our owners, we keep the same message going and we don't uh, differentiate on that message. We just keep that message going. So talking about suppliers, how do you engage suppliers so they're, uh, they're proactive in loss prevention? You've got to bring them along for the journey. So 
you know, it's very easy to say to a supplier, give me your goods or give me your service and that's it. You know, go to that store on two o'clock on Wednesday and that's all it is. You've actually got to bring them along for the journey. You've got to make sure that they're aware of what your goals are and what the business goals are and how that aligns with their goals. Um, so if you're singing, uh, singing from a different hymn sheet, you're never going to actually get the, the, the job done correctly. You might get the service that you wanted and that's about it. Um, but what you want to do is actually engage them in a way that they're along for the journey. If I have a win, they have a win. Uh, and that's that's the, the crux of it. You've really got to bring them along. So if I'm a new supplier to Chemist Warehouse, or for, from a loss prevention um, point of view, if I'm a new supplier, how do you educate me on on what you do and how, how do I become effectively part of your team? Um, first off, it's a lot of chat. It's a lot of um, getting to know the business. A lot it's of about coffees. A lot of coffees. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's about getting out to the stores and, and seeing where the, uh, where the magic happens, I suppose, and what our expectations are about. Um, we've got to make sure that, we, that you know what our journey is, what we're trying to achieve. And you know, walking through a store and, and saying, this is why we do this, this is why we do that, uh, even the music we play in stores, the TVs that's showing the ads, even though they're not loss prevention tools, they all play a role in what we do as a business and how they actually can interact with that. Um, that's the, 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 the key. You really get that supplier on board. Um, you know, there's a million different suppliers of, of the same things that we do. Um, you know, they all can provide me a security guard. They all can provide me a security gate or they can all do this and they all can do that. But it's when they're along for the journey that they actually give me what we need to both succeed. And that's that's the key. Because there's a lot of retailers that treat their suppliers as suppliers and not as a partner. Because I think, I feel like what you're talking about is really that partnership. Absolutely. So there seems to be pretty much a, a gap between the supplier and being a partner. How do we bring those closer together? Um, it's, a, again, about aligning our expectations and making sure that we both win or both benefit from the action that we're taking together. So uh, for a guard supplier point of view, you know, where can we actually get the best quality guard the best communicator, the best looking, um, you know, first interaction that a customer will have in our stores, we need to make sure we get that. If we get that, then the guard supplier will actually win because they'll get more stores because um, the, the service is great and we, we move them into further stores. So if we get a win, they get a win. Um, and it's all about making sure that we can both win together. And where I find this really works is where you've actually got a supplier who's actually keen to listen. If you've got a supplier who's going, listen, this is my product, take it or leave it, well, I'll leave it. Uh, if it's a product, look, the product's awesome. Can we do it this way because this is the chemist warehouse way or this is the way that I want it? And they listen and they want to get the same goals that we want. Fantastic. That's where you start getting that partnership that we both can benefit um, out of the relationship. And again, a supplier will always get paid. The, you know, they, they put their invoice in at the end of the month. Um, but what we want is that, that mutual beneficial uh, relationship that can actually get the benefit for both. So given you've been in the industry for... 25, coming up to 25 years. <laughs> Makes me sound old. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you worked with retailers where they where a supplier is just a supplier? And, and how do you get around that? Because you've got to obviously tow the corporate line. So how has that happened in the past? I look, it, it always happens. We've got you know just pure suppliers at the moment that supply a, a product and that and that's all they do. Um, but again, there's still steps that you can take. It's the relationship that you keep. It's the touching base with them on a regular basis. So it might be just that monthly coffee to say, look, how's things going? Um, you know, sometimes that's where the secrets come out of. You know, there's a new product coming out next month, or there's this happening or that happening. So I find even where you've just got a supplier of a generic product, that there is no real engagement 
required, having that relationship is is very important to see what's happening down the track, um, to see what efficiencies we can get. Um, obviously, it's hard to ask favours when you don't have a relationship. So it's hard to say, listen, you know, I'm getting the, the pressure from the board to reduce costs. Um, you know, what can you do for me? If I don't have that relationship, they're going to do nothing for me. Mm. Um, so, look, we certainly have just suppliers, but we certainly are moving a lot more of them into partnerships. Um, and, look, we've, we've certainly got um, suppliers in the same field. So in, in our guard services, we've got multiple suppliers. Um, but I've got great partnerships with most of them. Um, in that we actually have mutually beneficial. Obviously, they all want a uh, piece of the pie, and you know sometimes the slices don't go out to everyone. But again, it's all about you know how do we all benefit, and you know whoever then gives me the best work gets the most work, and you know that that helps that healthy competition with between the suppliers, and it also means I'll I'll benefit because we'll actually get a better service at the end of the day. So, talk to me about the importance of keeping an open line of communication um, in proactive loss prevention. Oh, that's absolute key. So, in a supplier partnership. Uh, type environment, um, you know, it's, you've got to be able to have that in, that uh, availability to have a coffee with them one day and give them a chop the next day because, uh, again, you've got to be transparent, you've got to be open, you've got to be honest. Um, most of the time for me, so if we've had a bad experience with a supplier, something's gone a bit pear-shaped or horribly wrong, it's important that I can ring them and say, look, it's gone horribly wrong, we need to discuss. Um, we have a you know a, quite a uh, robust conversation, we get past it, and, and for me the measurement with that supplier now is how they react to it. If they spit the dummy out and go, well, you know, this is not fair, I don't agree, again, that relationship's not going to last too long. Um, if it's, no, Nick, we're committed, we actually want to improve this, that won't happen again, fantastic. That's that's where you get that partnership going. So that's from a, a supplier sort of relationship point of view. Uh, from a team member point of view, it's about the engagement of actually giving them the tools and the right tools and, you know, celebrating those successes when things go right and then obviously, um, you know, looking at debriefing when things don't go right. Um, it's very easy to criticise people or very easy to, to give them warnings and things like that when it goes wrong. But, you know, I find when you can actually sit down and say, look, this is where it did go wrong and this is what we probably need to do next time this occurs. So what sort of communication do you send out to stores? Is it, are there, is it videos or e-learning or how, how do they... How do you get your message across to them? Um, we do it through a number of different ways, and it's hard. We're a massive business. We've got 15,000 employees across uh, 500 locations in every state of Australia and also in New Zealand. Uh, so we do you know, monthly newsletters. There's a, a monthly meeting that uh, information goes out, and we try and keep that information clear, concise, uh, a theming each month to, to something that we're trying to achieve. We also do uh, management training. We do uh, pharmacist training. We do induction training. But again, the, the key secret across all that is the theming of it is all the same. So we've got the same messages going through from to a casual that's there four hours a week to uh, an owner of the business that's obviously investing their money within our, our franchise network. So it's about keeping the, the consistent message. And then also my team are on the ground as well. So getting them out there, engaging with staff on the floor, um, people behind the dispensary, things like that is really key for what we do. And again, it's all about the same message and, and being proactive and saying, look, we want to help you before it happens, um, but we'll also be there after it happens to, to help you pick up the pieces. So how do you keep your loss prevention goals and strategies front of mind for your suppliers? Because obviously Chemist Warehouse isn't their only client. So how do you make sure that they're constantly thinking about your business? Um, Again, it's about that engagement to make sure that if they're on the journey with me and we actually succeed together, they succeed as much as I succeed. So for me, it's more about making sure that if you bring them along, 
everyone wants to win. Everyone wants to, to get the celebration, the pats on the back. Um, so you've got to continually sort of maintain that relationship to make sure that we are front of mind, that we are a special client. I also understand that they've got their own clients. Uh, there are other um, clients that they may have, but I also want to make sure that we've got that relationship that I'm one of their main clients or front of mind to go, look, this is something that Nick would love to know about, or this is something, a device that he'd love to roll out in stores um, and talk to me about it. So, you know, for me, it's more about, you know, maintaining that relationship that they will keep me front in mind. Um, if it was just a case of the only time that they communicate, I communicate to them was to give them a give them a whack for not doing the right thing, I'm never going to be front of mind. Mm. So sometimes it, it's all about the, um, you know, let's celebrate success together. Are you able or do you share data with them? Do they know what your high theft items are? Do they know where the problem uh, demographics are across the country? Or Are you able to share that sort of data with them? We share some. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's very hard to share commercially sensitive information, especially Absolutely. when they do other retailers. Um, again, you've got to have that relationship with them to and that trust built to mm-hmm. say, if I was to give you this, are you going to leak that out to anyone else? Um, and you know, I know with my partnerships that I have, I know that definitely wouldn't happen. Um, so we certainly share high-risk areas, high-risk categories, high-risk products. Um, do we go down to that sort of real granular level of that we lost 28 units of this? Look, we don't go down to that path. We're looking at firming up our partnerships at the moment with a couple of our key suppliers. Um, and again, that might be part of our strategy that we do. Again, if we don't share it, we, they can't help us. Well, yeah, and it's hard because particularly in the pharmacy industry, if you can collaborate and get like products protected so that they don't get stolen or that they're, um, that they're not walking out the door, because I'm guessing that if they're walking out the door for you, they're walking out the door for your competitors as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. So it's important to be able to at least have some data that you can look at and say, oh, okay, well, it's an issue for us in this particular demographic, but it's also a, a problem for our competitors as well. Yeah, and what we what we try and do with our, our and most of our guard supplies that are in a, a location or a geographical area, we'll try and share some risks that we, we're aware of in those geographical areas. Um, when we actually go to set up a service, we'll actually interview the store, interview the owner and, and start talking about their... Um, their journey that they've had within the area. So if it's a brand new store, sometimes it's um, you know taking a look at our competitors to see how they've set themselves up. If it's a store that's already established, we'll actually have a look at you know what are your current problems, what are you currently losing, what's your your geographic profile, and what type of service would suit you the most. Because what we want to do is actually put the right service in at the at the start, rather than oh god we got that wrong and you know we need to do something different. So we really want to get the right service for them at the right time. And part of that is information, part of that's knowledge, part of that's um, you know, the relationship that they also may have another client in that area and they go, this particular suburb is bad for X, Y and Z. So we might, you know, we would recommend a, you know, a big gorilla <laughs> a guard at the front door to, to stop anyone. <laughs> so do you have a process in place for working with a new supplier? Is there a, a checkbox or a checklist that you go through to go... Yep, okay, now I'm ready to turn this from a supplier into a partner. Um, probably not a checklist as such. Um, I, I've been pretty lucky at Chemist Warehouse. We've had um, a, a long list of trusted suppliers that we've built a great relationship with, um, so much so that you know we get to the end of the year and go, let's review your services. Look, you've done great. Let's just move on to the next year. So we don't often go out to tender because we don't necessarily need to because we've got those partnerships in place. Obviously, where we introduce a new uh, supplier in um, again. You, you, we're testing them out every day to see how they actually perform against other suppliers. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, we'll be quite open and say, "Hey, have a go. Look at this supplier. They've done. They're doing great work at this shop. 
um, go and have a look. You know, that's your new base level. And if they don't perform at that base level, we, we'll either move them on um, or, you know, their, their restriction on uh, how much more service they can offer us is, is heavily restricted. Do you have any recommendations for best practice for retailers that work with multiple suppliers? And pretty much all retailers would work with multiple suppliers. Absolutely. <laughs> um, again, it's about relationships. It's about you know making sure that you're. Yeah. Uh, it's about making sure that you you're really aligned to the right person within the business, the right stakeholder in their business, um, to ensure that they're listening. Um, because you want to make sure that they're doing what you need them to do. Um, a lot of suppliers just this is our product, you take it or leave it. Well, no, this is the product we want. Um, and this is how we want it provided. And if you're not speaking to the right person or you're not speaking to the person who's the mover and shaker in that business, you're never going to change it. You're just going to get that same service. And that's one of the, I think, the key rewards that we've had is that our guard services, for example, we haven't turned over any of our supplies in a long time because we actually maintain a, an excellent level of service. We're continually um, enhancing the service to give a better service to our stores um, without having to introduce a new supplier and going, all right, here we go, we've got six months of trial and error or of pain. Of pain. <laughs> <laughs> trial and error, we'll call it. But, uh, you know, we don't want that, you know, that, that put us six months in, in the past. So what are the general challenges that you faced when you're dealing with suppliers? Uh, most of it's more about um, them not listening. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we're the client and, you know, that gives me a bit of an upper hand of in, in terms of negotiations and in terms of what we want. But a lot of the times we get suppliers come in, it's like, this is our product and this is it. Um, you must have it this way. You must have it that way. That's the way we've designed it. And it's like, are you a retailer? And the answer is no, they're not a retailer. <laughs> so how do you know this will work in a, in a retail environment? So sometimes it's actually, it's great when you get a supplier saying, we'd love to listen to you. We'd love, what would you like? You know, this is the product that we've got that we can either, that will work or that we can actually manipulate to actually suit your needs. Um, and that's that's the key thing for me. I get 20 cold calls a week from suppliers wanting to do everything from, you know, window washing to security to doing anything within our, within our business. All they see is, you know, Chemist Warehouse and the... That's a, a massive see contract. the dollar signs, the dollar in their signs eyes. ticking. <laughs> um, and look, some of them are quite ruthless. You know, we demand a meeting. We want this. We want that. And it's like, well, okay. Well, how about no? And you know, how about do you want to listen to what we want uh, from a service provider? If they say no, I'm not interested, and I'll block that straight from there. So, do, all, do you get many that do that? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. I get some that they actually set up a meeting, or that if they don't get a meeting with you, they go above your head and and start meeting with other people, and all of a sudden it comes down the the, the food chain a little bit, and you go, well, no, I've actually already spoken to these people. They're not aligned to to what our goals are, and this is where they this is what they all they want to do. Um, so very quickly they get put to bed. But, um, you know, there's a lot of good suppliers out there that have got great products as well. So sometimes it's about, look, I just want to have a chat with you. I want to actually get to know what you want and I'll see if we can actually make that uh, make that work. So what do you think are the ingredients for a good supplier-retailer or a good partnership between a supplier and a retailer? It's got to be alignment. It's got to be we both want the same things. And, and luckily in the security industry, everyone wants to stop crooks, and that's that's a nice, easy one. Um, but we've got to be aligned to, you know, I love it when a business says, look, we're only starting out, we want to grow with you. Um, you know, we've got a small region that we can take on board. You know, they're not greedy. We just want to help. We want to do this. You know, we'll align ourselves to you. That's the good ingredient. Again, it's the listening. It's about making sure that they're aligned. It's about making sure that we all want the same things. Um, you know, if they just want dollars out of it, well, 
you know, they might get short-term gain out of that, but that's that's all I'll get. So it's not always about price then for, for you either as the retailer? Absolutely not. Um, it's tough to get that past boards and past <laughs> uh, general managers and things like that. But, you know, again, you've got to look at the overall value proposition. Um, you know, I could put, you know, uh, again, checkpoint security gates. I could put a gate in for half the cost, but it's going to be rubbish. Hmm. So it's that balance between quality uh, longevity, what the value proposition is, um, and, and what we're going to get out of it moving forward. So you've got to get that right balance between between all those things. So Nick, we've made it to the final countdown, the last three questions. If you weren't in retail, what would you want to do? Oh, that's a big one. I'd love to be a probably a resort manager on a holiday resort <laughs> or something silly like that. But no, I actually love retail. I love loss prevention. Um, if I wasn't in retail, I'd hope to be in some form of security or loss prevention. Um, love analytics. I uh, love sort of behavioural uh, science of people, so reading people's behaviours. And, and I suppose, you know, if, if, it's like when you interview a team member, you know, you've got the guilty look, they've got the sweats, they've got the, <laughs> these sorts of things going on. I, I love that sort of, I know you're guilty, I'm going to get you. Um, so that's... For me, that's the, the sort that's of industry. That's your covert background, <laughs> that, isn't it? That is. I love reading people's body language. And there's, uh, it's quite funny. I'll go shopping with my wife and it'll be, watch this guy he's about to steal. And she how would you know that? And then bang, in goes the Kit Kat in the pocket. And you, you go, you just you get uh, just tell from the body language. So I definitely want to keep something aligned. But yeah, I do love retail, although that's made me hate Christmas. Um, but I do, I do, do you, love retail. Do you get a holiday at that time? Or are you, do you have to work on Boxing Day with that horrible sales time for you guys? Uh, look, sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. I've managed to avoid Boxing Day over the last couple of years. Um, but again, you've got to be on call, ready to go. Um, you know, it's it's about the build-up to Boxing Day. So it's about making sure that we've got everything in place. Um, you know, one more set of hands won't make a difference by then. If, if we haven't prepared, it's going to fail. So if we build it up for success, then I can sleep easy on my uh, my turkey coma that I'll, uh, that I'll have. <laughs> is theft really that bad on Boxing Day? Is it... Is it- as bad as any other day, or is it worse? I actually than any don't other think day? it is. I think it's actually less because what happens? Most uh, shoplifters they want anonymity. They want to be in a corner by themselves to to fill up their bag. Boxing Day, there's just people everywhere. Um, as a as a pharmacy, we don't necessarily we have Boxing Day sales, we have fragrances, we have things and bits and pieces like that. But we're not you a guys traditional. Are always on sale. We're right? always on sale. <laughs> um, but we don't have that traditional Boxing Day sale mad rush doorbuster specials. Um, so ours is probably a little bit more tamer. But again, the, the volume of people in our stores is a lot higher, which means that as the shoplifter, I can't sit in a, a corner by myself and not have anyone look. Sometimes the, the other customer looking at you can be more vicious than the staff member looking at you because <laughs> customers sometimes they can't help themselves. They want to get involved, So um, which I'm quite happy with. But uh, but yeah. So as long as it's safe. As long as it's safe. Um, but yeah, so Boxing Day is not a, not a big thing for us, but it's, it's all about you know that rush to Christmas and you know obviously the desperation of people wanting to give presents to, to friends and families um, you know sometimes drives them to do some silly things. If you could change anything in the industry what would it be? Uh, for me it'd probably be a bit, bit more collaboration and a bit more networking amongst the the, the community um, and that's the one thing I love about the PPFF is that we can all get together in a sort of safe spot uh, we can uh, talk about strategies um, obviously we don't give away secrets but um, it's really great to be able to talk to your peers about some challenges that you face or some wins that you've had um, because you don't know what you don't know. Um, all of a sudden you, you, you get in contact with um, someone else and they say, look, we had a really good win through this. Oh, how'd you go about doing that? All of a sudden you start going, 
oh, wow, that was a missing piece of the puzzle that I didn't have. Mm. Um, and one thing I've learned over the years in, in the different roles that I've had and the different mentors that I've had, that you actually only learn from incidents or things that occur, things that you know about, and that's how you actually build up your repertoire as a, as a loss prevention professional. So it's really about you know, that networking, and unfortunately we don't do it enough. Well, why is that? I think people are scared about secrets. Um, I worked for a particular manager and, you know, he would be openly saying, if you talk to anyone outside this network, you know, I'll, I'll fire you. And it'll be, okay, what am I going to give away a secret for something that we do? And it's like, we need to maintain our competitive advantage. And now, at the end of the day, we're all actually dealing with shoplifters. We're all dealing with loss. If we all get a win, that's actually great for the whole loss prevention community. Um, if we don't get the wins on the board companies actually reduce our costs, reduce our wages. Um, we can't get to do as much as we do. So for me, I, I think it's about collaboration will actually help. You know, could I go talk to another pharmacy chain and uh, get all their secrets and things like that? No, we, we wouldn't do that. But can I get some some help from a fashion retailer? Absolutely. Because again, what they steal is a commodity. Uh, are you comfortable sitting, if, if we had Priceline here today, would you be comfortable in sitting with them is that yeah I would yeah um, would your business be comfortable with you sitting next to them possibly not um, <laughs> not, but again, not, not to once again not to talk about revenue or loss or anything like that as a or, or how it's impacting the business but just that you know mate what are you losing we're losing yeah. the same how are you how do we combat this together I would certainly hope there'd be enough trust there that they know that I'm not giving away uh, corporate secrets mm-hmm. um, that we could talk about what how this could mutually benefit uh, each other so again I would don't think there would be a big a big issue with it I'd actually really personally would love to do it and I have done it with different people within different industries um, because that's really important to um, fill my toolbox full of tools to, to do a better job in loss prevention. Yeah, and sometimes they, they've found something, a solution that, that works really well that you've never heard of before. Absolutely. So why not jump on board? Absolutely. <laughs> and your advice for anyone wanting to get into loss prevention? you just got to do it. You've got to get in there. Um, you know, for me, back many, many, many years ago, it's probably starting to show my age, um, you know, I really was interested in law enforcement and loss prevention was sort of a bit of a bit of a gateway drug into, uh, into that sort of area. It was, all right, let's do this and see what it's all about. And once I got into it, I loved it and uh, haven't moved since. Um, for me, it's more about you just got to get into it. Um, once you get into it, you then got to determine where you want to go within that area. Um, a lot of loss prevention now is there's a bit of generalist, but then there's specialist as well. So one thing I sort of did, each job I go to, it's what do I want to take out of this job? You know, what skills do I need to get to where I'm going to? Um, you know, do I need investigation skills? Okay, well, let's go do an investigator role. Do I need um, management skills or I need to get into a management role to learn those skills? And what I've tried to bundle together is, again, a toolbox full of uh, full of different tools that I can use to become a loss prevention professional and be a group manager for a, a pretty large retailer. Mm, good advice. So, Nick, thanks for coming in today and giving up your time and educating me about proactive loss prevention. Um, I think that if suppliers jumped on that proactive loss prevention bandwagon, then probably more would be achieved for both retailer and the supplier. So um, hopefully people will learn a little bit from that. If you'd like to get in touch with Nick, you can reach him on LinkedIn or you can email him at the PPFF website. You can subscribe to this weekly podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts and Spotify. And there's a link to download episode and show notes on the PPFF website. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the Profit Protection Future Forum. It is written and produced by Juliet Woodward and myself, Nicole Smith, and is kindly hosted by Wooshka. 
Thanks for listening to Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe via iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. If you want to find out more about the Profit Protection Future Forum, head to ProfitProtection.co or find us on LinkedIn. Drop us a message on info at ProfitProtection.co with feedback on our show.